Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, so this guy came up and he sold us internet and he was really friendly. He ate our fried chicken and rice and he was Catholic. No, he just, no, just just chicken that we made. And he was Catholic and we prayed with him before he left and he was just this really cool guy. And he was like, yeah, you guys are great. Like, I love seeing you. Would love to see you some more. And we're like, cool. And I got his number and all these things. And then he, and then we like missed our install time for different reasons. And he gave me a call. Cause I had texted and I was like, Hey, can I get reset up for the, for the install? Like I missed, we missed our install date. Can you like reset it? And he gives me a call. He goes, hello, Ethan. I said, Hey, what's up? He goes, Hey, Ethan, this is Doug. Nice to meet you. And I was like, <gasps> no, I thought, I, I thought, I thought we had, had already. I thought we had something. I thought, Paul, he said his name is Paul. Doug. Doug. <laughs> Welcome to the Crunch. It is your boy Ethan, and I'm Patrick. I am, aside from suffering from a tremendous personal loss of yeah. my friend who once named was Doug, I uh, I'm doing I'm doing okay. How are you doing? Are you are you surviving, thriving? How you how are you dealing with this global pandemic? <laughs> you know, honestly, doing pretty good. Okay. Uh, no, I'm just it's uh, luckily for me, I work in I work in a county where the pandemic is not destroying it which is good because we have a big elderly population so it's it's <laughs> as big as in like it's and there's a lot of them or the few that you have are really really fat <laughs> <laughs> we have a we have a huge elderly population <laughs> like there's like only three of them but like they're ginormous yeah. <laughs> they're just absolute gigantos like six feet tall like no six feet tall is normal uh <laughs> 60 feet tall <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah, we're not going to talk about the pandemic, but other than that, I'm no, doing no, no. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing good. I started a financial Instagram this week. Oh, we're going to rehash this. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I already told you about it, but I want to tell the people. Why didn't you wait until we were on the show so that I could get it fresh? I guess yeah, that's fair. For the I don't content. Know. For the content. All right, let me, let's try again. Okay. okay. Tell them about your new thing called Via Financial. Oh, wait, that sounds like a plug. That sounds, yeah, it sounds like, like, like a plug. Knew. It's not a plug. I just started an Instagram because I wanted a fun way to share 
uh, personal finance tips that I know uh-huh. in a faith-based context. Oh. And I didn't want to share it on my personal page because I don't know if that's my brand. <laughs> I post. Oh, I posted a one of my big things that I that I've kind of been was a big mindset mindset shift for me was like uh, being in massive amounts of student debt is not the same as poverty. The spirit of poverty. Yeah. Um. And I. I. It just there's this attitude. There's an attitude at Franciscan, at least an attitude that I ran into that I'm. I. I had a. I had a friend. And it was. A, it was acquaintance. Who um he was going he was going hundred he went to Franciscan for the PDP I guess it's a little too specific but no people aren't probably gonna know who he is uh he went a hundred thousand dollars into debt um he left the PDP and so we just picked a random major and he was talking to me about it and he was like yeah I'm like a hundred thousand dollars in debt I'm probably gonna be in debt for the rest of my life I don't know what I'm gonna do with my life but I can't leave here and I was like are you kidding me you absolutely can you need to stop going to school now yeah um. And there was just like this, I, I ran into that problem a lot where people were very defeatist about their money. And then it would morph kind of into like a spiritualized aspect. Like, well, I guess like we're not supposed to be rich, right? And it's like, well, yes, in a sense, but also you're not supposed to be like a, in crippling amounts Plunging of debt. Plunging yourself into debt because yeah. you got tricked at a Steubenville conference. Uh, sorry, what? What? <laughs> Oh my gosh! I, the amount of times I've heard people say that Franciscan is like a Steubenville conference—it's not at all. Do people actually like people who go there actually say that, or people who think that that's what it's like? People—I've heard that as a selling point. I've oh heard, gosh! I've, I've heard that as a selling point for Franciscan. I've—I've I've never. I don't. I. It wasn't like a. It wasn't like a representative of the school. I think representatives of the school are 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 pretty realistic about what franciscan is it's a college yeah it's a, a very great atmosphere you know yeah um but i think i think the uh yeah the idealization of steubenville is a real thing yeah that's really tough um it must suck to go to a school where it's just like a conference all the time you know <laughs> sorry what? i'm not getting any sleep and at 10 p.m my youth minister comes to the door and goes hey there's pizza and i'm like i kept trying to go to sleep mark <laughs> Okay, that was. I have crazy a test thing. tomorrow morning. Every every night, it's when you go to the Franciscan University of Steubenville. One thing <laughs> is for sure: at two a.m., you're pounding a five-hour energy with your friend, and you're texting a girl that you met on the bus to get there. That's just a. It's such a good joke. It's a great joke. <laughs> every day at Steubenville at three thirty in the afternoon, you go into a packed room where Jason Everett makes you sign six chastity cards. <laughs> That's good. Way to continue. They have the him bit. on retainer. <laughs> you just, you just walk in and you're just like, fine, I'll be chased, I promise. Yes, I suppose. You go into this overpriced bookstore and you're just walking around in awe because you've never seen that many that many shirts uh, making fun of corporate brands and just putting the Virgin Mary on them instead of the branding. No, that one's accurate. That, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> walking into an overpriced I actually, bookstore. I have, been to the, I have been to the Franciscan bookstore and that is what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> and you can buy the Catholic card game featuring the Crunch Expansion Pack. Isn't that crazy that something that we made, we, we were in the game and then it got sold in stores? I know. I know. It's crazy. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Cool. So we got, speaking of Steubenville conferences, we got a great, we got a great show coming up for you. Oh, we do have, we? We have an interesting, we have an interesting Dr. Ethan's dating corner at oh, the end of the show. Get, stay tuned. And stay tuned. And, and I, speaking of, uh, speaking of, um, uh, never mind. I don't know how to transition into hot take time. Machine. Try it. Try it. Try it. Try again. Try again. I was gonna. I was gonna say. Speaking of uh, texting a girl you met on a bus, 
Um, we got we got a little bit of a uh, of a flashback into Patrick's high school love life coming up on the Hot Take Time Machine. Okay. Welcome to the Hot Take Time Machine. The Hot Take Time Machine is the part of the show where we take a look back at the prime of our social media posting lives. If you have a hot take that's five years or older, send it to us. Info at thecrunchcast.com. Ethan, you got a hot take for us? I found one really, really quick. I guess the other one that I think is pretty funny is it's a screenshot of Anthony Fantano um, uh-huh. when he was doing his meme reviews. Classic. And the ca- the caption is from September 1st, 2016. It says, Internet, quote, Mother Teresa forced people to suffer, murdered people, was a hypocrite, and also extremely stupid. And then me. And it's a picture of Anthony Fantano wearing his beanie and holding a microphone with the sunglasses on. And he's got text on the screen that says, one, you're an asshole. Two, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Not very much not, not very much love on that one. Asshole is also no, spelled I, wrong. It's spelled with two A's and two S's. <laughs> so it's not a it's not a swear for me to say it. It's not a swear word. I think that's just because back I don't think people are aware of how strongly the you know, actually Mother Teresa was like really problematic. I don't think people realize how strong of an opinion that was when she was alive yeah because like it was more every, of a thing everybody she was time person of the year everybody just loved her you know yeah and so like there was a there was a huge there was a huge like i mean if rick and morty had been on it would have been those guys you know mm-hmm. it like rick and morty t-shirt fedora guitar in the back that they don't know how to play you know um actually mother Teresa was like really bad like she suffered and like it's horrible um, yeah, Richard Dawkins was the guy that kind of popular. If correct me if I'm wrong, Richard Dawkins is the guy that popularized the Mother Teresa. It was either Richard Dawkins or Christopher Hitchens, one of those two boys. Yeah, they were saying like they were frustrated because she had hundreds of millions of dollars donated and she never helped anyone get better. She just like helped them die, but it's like that was her whole deal. That was her whole thing. Yeah, it's like they were dying, helping people die with dignity, not necessarily. Yeah solving everybody's problems yeah also the problem the thing the 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 weird thing about having money um having money doesn't necessarily make medicine appear yeah or yeah yeah that's the thing is she couldn't just there are probably lots of impediments to building a super nice hospital in calcutta yeah it's like and if if there was if if she could have had 124 million dollars if 124 million dollars would have built a state-of-the-art hospital in calcutta and saved a bunch of people why hasn't america done it yet oh Uh, people are like people are like sell the vatican come on sell jeff bezos let's sell jeff there's somebody somebody out there will buy yeah did you know that the vatican is like if if the vatican were a country it would be considered a third world in terms of in terms of its worth I did know that, but other people just see, they go, big building. Shiny gold. Shiny gold. Get rid of Gib. it. Give to me. Give to me because I will give it to the poor because no, I'm, I'm very old. The thing is, is that they have no like exports. <laughs> like there's no, <laughs> they don't, yeah. they don't have anything. They're not mining. They don't have any coal. It's just, they have the <laughs> art and everyone's like, get rid of it. But there's, if they got rid of get it. Rid- where would it go? Where would it go? Then how would anybody else make money off of it? You know what I mean? There's no. Yeah. It's whatever. It's a dumb. It's a dumb thing. It's like art. Art belongs to the church because the church belongs to everybody. Art. Art belongs in churches so that because um, there's the thing. If we sold all those all those paintings, those beautiful paintings would be locked up in some rich dude's living room above a bearskin rug. And then we'd have even more reason to sell Jeff Bezos. It all goes back to the to the beginning. Uh, Listen, that guy built the most expensive house in California just because. You tell me he wouldn't buy Caravaggio's The Conversion of St. Paul just because. Did he really? 
build he the would. build the biggest house in California. He bought the biggest house. Oh, I think it was like five hundred million dollars. Five hundred million dollar house. I that I'm. It was a five, and there was a million. It may have been fifty million. Fifty I'm million sure. dollar house. Just a fifty million dollar house. <sighs> He's worth like two hundred billion dollars. Well, yeah. So they say you should have about a third of your money going towards your mortgage. <laughs> 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 Jeff Bezos, <laughs> Jeff Bezos, <laughs> a four, it's a fourth of your take-home pay goes towards your living situation. So Jeff Bezos buys America with a fourth of his take-home pay. Um, yeah, did you know that if you took Jeff Bezos, you could actually cut him up into two hundred people that shouldn't uh, shouldn't exist and shouldn't have all the money they have. <laughs> Please don't cut up Jeff Bezos. This is a children's. Please don't podcast. cut up Jeff Bezos. Please don't cut up Jeff Bezos. Um, Patrick, I need your hot take, please. Uh, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I totally forgot we were in a different segment because we anyway we quit. Um, so this this uh, this hot take comes to us. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read a, a guest's hot take first, and then I'll read mine. Um, this one comes to us from Scott, all the way back in 2011. Scott. This is a real. This is a big old time machine. He says, "How come it's always the fake people saying people are too fake?" Which is a great 2011 take, Scott. Ethan, why are the fake people always talking about people that are too fake? Patrick. Yes, hi. I feel like I feel like Woody at the beginning at the end of the second act in Toy Story when all of the all of the animals on the other side are all the toys they're closing the blinds and he's over there saying like, "No, I didn't kill Buzz. He's right here." Cuz I can still hear you when you can't hear me. And so I'm like, "No, oh. don't leave. Don't go." And then you hang up and I'm like, "No." No. <laughs> okay, so you heard you heard the you heard my question, "How come it's always fake people who are saying people are too fake?" Yeah, it's because they look into the mirror and they look at themselves and then their eyes see what they needed to see in order to know what they had to see in others. Yeah. And then once oh. they once they realize that, they just called it out. You know, it's I mean it's not it's not mm-hmm. a big deal. I'm just out here. I'm grinding. You know, I'm trying to make something for myself. Trying to pull myself up by my bootstraps. You know, and I don't have time for those fake people. You know, Marilyn Monroe said, uh, "Be per- <laughs> what is, what was that quote that always gets thrown around by Marilyn Monroe? Marilyn Monroe used to say. Uh, Marilyn Monroe once said that well behaved girls rarely make history. She, there's another one that's very famous. Oh, uh, if you can't accept me at my worst, don't, don't accept <laughs> whatever. Yeah, that that one. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that, that one. one that Marilyn Monroe said. That's it's always attributed to her. You don't deserve me at my best. That's what it is. Well-behaved girls rarely make. Well-behaved presidents rarely make history. That quote doesn't sound good when you put anybody else in there. Well-behaved nope. Fuhrers rarely make history. <laughs> um. <laughs> I love I love when you're just talking to somebody on Twitter and they talk about how Hitler supposedly died in a bunker. Wait, what do you mean supposedly? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, go back a second. I was I was like I was looking through a, a graveyard of a of a Twitter fight from like five years ago. Yeah, someone posted "f Hitler" mm-hmm. like they commented on something because someone like brought up Hitler and that guy was like "f Hitler" and then everyone was like, "Oh, you're so brave oh, for saying f Hitler," and um, I was like, "No, nah, he's not being brave. He's just like saying, you know, that's fine." And then um, someone in the com- someone in the comments was like, someone in the comments was like, come on, like why are we keep why do we? I just, it's just annoying that he keep that people keep bringing up someone who supposedly died in a bunker from supposedly. sixty years ago. I was like, what do you mean? Hold on, hold on, hold on, go back, go back. 
<laughs> you just glossed over that. Where would he have gone? The moon? Where would he have gone? I'm pretty sure we checked the bunker. Like, <laughs> we didn't just take Ava Braun's word for it, you know? He, like <laughs> he, he put a, a Hitler-shaped wig on his wife, and he snuck out the back. <laughs> He's like, this is all. This is, I don't know. I'm no, okay. Right. What anyway. was this? This is why I always keep a <laughs> keep a spare Hitler costume in my closet. <laughs> oh man, I'm really seen... glad no one's in my floor of the office right now because I just screamed. This is why I always keep a. <laughs> you ever seen Jojo Rabbit? No, but I need to. It's very good. Uh, I I cried like a little boy when I mm. saw it. When the rabbit died, yeah. When the when Hitler killed the rabbit and dressed him up like Hitler to make everybody think that Hitler was dead. <laughs> I don't know the plot of Jojo Rabbit, but I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Yeah, I love how all the German kids have British accents. <laughs> that's one, that's, that's one of my favorite things about. That's how you know Alex. that they're from Europe is because they all speak in British accents. Which Phoebe and I are working our way through Phineas and Ferb. Uh huh. And uh, there's a scene where they go to space and they have like a they have the milkshake bar in space. Remember that one? Yeah. And there's like an Italian alien who's like, ah, this is my uh, milkshake bar. And I'm like, why? I didn't know there was an Italy in space. And then there's like a German. Like, I don't know why there's a Germany in space. But you know what? I guess that because a lot of them, I guess everybody else is talking with an American accent. So I guess there's an America in space too. Is this in the show or is this just you and Phoebe on the couch working this out? So. This is me and Phoebe working it out. Okay. There's like a, there's an alien with an Italian accent, and I so I turned to her and I says to her, I says, "Why is there an Italy in space?" <laughs> somebody was arguing with me anyway. today. Somebody was arguing with me today about whether or not Mario was Italian. I was like, "This isn't even a question." Of course he is. Of course he is. <laughs> Look at his mustache. He says he's a he Japanese Italian plumber. He doesn't say it's me. He says it's a me. Exactly. It's and so. <laughs> <laughs> there's like there's three different ways to laugh there's several different ways to laugh that laughing and i was thinking of making a tiktok that was laughing in different languages uh-huh. america ha 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 mexico ja 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 uh-huh. greece he, 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 he. <laughs> and italy <Woo-hoo>! <laughs> we were talking about the game boy today yeah and I was, because we were making that joke. Somebody was like, well, my dad, you know, works for a hospital. And I was like, well, yeah, my dad works for Nintendo. Like, I did that bit. Yeah, cool. <laughs> and then everyone's like, ha And then somebody else said, well, no, my dad actually, like, works for IT in a hospital. And I was like, well, my dad works for Game Boy in Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> this person's just trying to talk about their day and yeah. you're, like, doing a bit. <laughs> and then I asked, I asked the ladies in the room, I was like, did you guys ever have a Game Boy? And they said, yeah. And I said, don't you think that's kind of weird? And they said, well, (laughs) and they said, said, no, (laughs) they said, no. Um, You know, why, why didn't they have a game girl? That's sexist. And I said, no, it's not sexist. It's Japanese. (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand what that means. It can't. It can't be sexist. The Japanese are above reproach. They've created a Mexican, Italian, American plumber. They've created a game. He's working class. He's working class. They've created it's very progressive. They've created a Game Boy, which everyone has accepted. You know, there's. It's not a game person. It's not. It's not a game girl. <laughs> it's just a Game Boy, and everybody's like, "All right, that's fine." They're, they. 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 They figured it out somehow. <laughs> I don't know what they did, but. Jeff, they can't be sexist. Here's my hot take. 
This hot take comes from February 14th, 2015. You ready? Yep. Cool. I'm just checking to make sure you're still there. Of course I can't give my girlfriend a Valentine's Day card without a history lesson. Hashtag. I'm so embarrassed. Hat. I'm not going to. Do it. Hashtag talk theology to me. Oh. I know. That hurts, doesn't oh. it? So anyway. Obviously, this is a look back into who I was <laughs> in high school. Was? <laughs> who I am. <laughs> I was very proud. I I looked I looked on Twitter. I couldn't find what the actual uh, history reference was, but it might have been one of those like those memes that would be like, uh, um, you you I'm, I'm head over heels for you, and it's a picture of Paul falling off his horse. You know. I think it was it was probably because if it was Valentine's Day, people were probably like. Valentine actually wasn't a real Catholic saint, you know, but da, da, da. and some people were oh, like, okay, actually, he were. If you look at the Council of Carthage, you know, like people. <laughs> yeah, the Council of Carthage. The Council of Carthage. And I'm sure there, there was that going on. People were debating the historicity of St. Valentine. And then you said hashtag talk theology to me, which ended all debate and discussion for the day. Everybody went Everyone home. was like, you know what? We need to pack it up and go home. Yeah. <laughs> Let's. This kid has taken. How old were you in 2014? That was six years ago. You were 18. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm not proud. Okay. I'm not proud of who I was. Just proud of who you are. Yep. Just proud of who I am. So, uh, speaking of history, uh, I don't. I don't know if you got this email too, but let's let's uh, let's let's open up some fan mail. Ooh, yes. Uh, yeah. First of all, first of all, uh, the. Uh, the 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 Akron girl who sails away. Yeah. Emailed back. Oh yeah. And I got I got her the other girl's email. So we made friends. The, this podcast. I know you guys have been. I, here here ends the trilogy of Akron, Ohio. Akron, Ohio now no longer exists because it's done. Um, yo, I'm the original girl from Akron and needs Catholic friends, and I'm sailing away soon. Oh, and no. she wanted us to know that. Um, additionally, ships do actually have normal food. Okay. Uh, Navy ships really don't, but most cargo ships have a chef and the food is pretty good. Also, sometimes if you're running ahead of schedule, they let you fish in the middle of the ocean wow. and the chef will make some sushi. Wow. That's insane. I had a good laugh listening to you guys make fun of me for watching all my friends sail away. I'll send you a postcard from somewhere cool if I get the chance, Please but do. I will need someone's address. Um, hey, you can, uh, you can, you can look up the parish that I work for and then send it there. You can look up my address don't give away your address Ethan. it's are you ready write this down <laughs> what if i gave your address right there and i just <laughs> i had it memorized that'd be funny yeah. okay so yeah she says uh have a good day i'll miss your podcast while i'm in the middle of the ocean thanks anna hey thank you for listening to this episode of the crunch Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Do we have any other questions? you have a topic? What do we got going on today? I mean, I don't have a topic. Oh, man. Not again. <laughs> How about this? I'll think about a topic and you sing crunch on that. Crunch, crunch on that. He crunches in the treetops all day long. Crunching downtown. <laughs> Ethan Stevie. No. Bah, bah, bah. Ethan, Ethan Stevie. Okay. So, Ethan, I've been, uh, I've been reading a little bit of doing that whole grad school thing. And, um, I'm in a class on moral theology, and I know what one that of the is. Things we had, yeah, it's yeah, it's morality and the theology about it. Yeah, it's not baby. That complicated. Um, <laughs> so we had to read a couple of books. Uh, well, several books, obviously, but the one that we're reading now is "Faith, Hope, and Love" by Joseph Pieper. Uh, Joseph Pieper, the guy who wrote "Leisure the Leisure the Basis of Culture," and also he wrote three books: uh, on, one on faith, one on hope, one on love. And there's a compilation that's sitting right on my desk right now. And uh, the the book on faith was a it was interesting. It was a philosophical treatise on faith, but hope the one on hope was more of a a uh, theological look. And then we have to compare and contrast that with Pope Benedict XVI's thought on faith, hope, and love in his last three encyclicals: uh, Deus Caritas Est. Space Salvi and Lumen Fide, who, which was written by Pope Francis officially, but Pope Benedict wrote most of it. Hmm. So, um, the the interesting the interesting uh, comparisons that I saw. I don't know. Pieper brings up some interesting points about um, what the what the opposite of hope is, and how uh, the the different like the different the ways year. of presuming. And so, I just want to I just want to kind of do a little bit of a. Um, an explanation, yeah, and then I want you, I want you to say, hey, where have we? I want to talk about where we see this in our everyday lives. Perfect. Cool. Yeah, that's my that's my whole bag. Is where do we see this in our everyday life? I can't hear if you said cool or not. I said cool. I think it's cool. Sweet. All right. Say noodles. Noodles. Okay. <laughs> I just I hate this so much. You said better internet when? <laughs> Tuesday. It's coming. Next week we'll be going. I didn't even hear the answer. It's coming. It's out. Tuesday. <laughs> it's Tuesday. Oh, per- oh, praise God. I know, okay. I'm so sorry. Um, unironically, praise God. So he talks about how there's a difference between natural hope and theological hope, which we kind of have a sense of that, right? Like yeah. one of them is a theological virtue, the other one is just kind of like a optimism, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And he says that there is there is no way that theological hope can exist without Christ. Um and so people couldn't hope in the Old Testament. People could hope in the Old Testament. Okay. Yes. But that hope came from the from Christ. Christ. Yes. Because they were hoping yeah, from for the promise of yeah, Christ. Yeah, yeah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, because even theologically, all of the graces that were available to people through circumcision was available because of Christ's sacrifice on the cross mm-hmm. centuries later. Right. Um, that's a little bit of a mind freak for you. Kind of. Uh, so... 
he talks about how human beings are on they're in they're they're in a a status viatoris which is latin for a state of traveling oh right just because we're human beings we're in a we're in a state of of transition right and for the angels that status viatoris was instantaneous they were in a state of transition from their creation immediately into angel or demon uh, because in the status viatoris you go you go from that to the status comprehensoris which is uh, the state of comprehension, okay. and that's a state of finitude. It's where something has ended. Does that make sense? Yes, I'm following you so far. So, I love this. Sweet. So we move. We move from the. We move from the status viatoris into the status comprehensoris, and that only happens when we die, because then we have the finitude of like, oh, this is what it is. There is no hope in the afterlife, um, because there's no need. We will. We will either see face to face, and or we will have seen face to face and been completely abandoned by that face yeah right like so in 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 hell and in heaven they've both reached the this human the human soul has reached its end point the traveler is no longer traveling we're no longer pilgrims whether we're living eternally or dying eternally and um so this this attitude of hope is one that that necessarily brings us to the end and and just i want to appeal to our listeners for why hope is so important because he talks about how hope is this theological youthfulness. Mm-hmm. I was talking to a friend who works with elderly people with dementia, and she was talking about how um, people with dementia, sometimes they just say the same story over and over again. Like this one lady is talking about like her dog and how much she loves her dog. And like that's the conversation she has every single day when she comes in and meets this woman. Yeah. And she's like, And she'll even say like, hey, what, what kind of dog did you have? She goes, oh, I had a golden retriever when I was younger. His name was Spot or whatever. Like yeah. all of these things. And it just kind of... It was kind of beautiful to see like the youthfulness of the elderly, sure. because that's a very childlike desire to repeat. Anyway, so um, hope carries us in the same way, right? Youth, Peeper says, is the hopefulness from youth comes from a short past and a long future, mm-hmm. because for a young person, literally nothing has happened to make them disillusioned to the world, and there's literally everything is possible at that point in your life, right? And but he says the theological virtue of hope, you're in the same position because 80 years is like a weekend compared to eternity, like even less, you know? And so for a hopeful person, they have this kind of lifelong youth of there is the past is so short and the future is so bright. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's this this appeal to, to, to hope, but there are two ways that we can kind of fall into an anti-hope, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, the obvious way is to fall into despair. And this is the pro- the problem with hope is when we believe that our our status as status viatoris, right? Our status as pilgrims is ended. We don't believe that it exists. Mm. We believe that we have already reached the end in this life. And that can be done in two ways. We can believe we've reached the end through despair, saying I'm going to hell no matter what and it's useless at this point. Or we can say, I've already reached the end. I'm already going to heaven regardless. And that's what we call presumption. Mm-hmm. So presumption and despair are both anti-hopes. Wow. And I want to talk about presumption because he speaks of two kinds of presumption. One that's attractive to Christians and one that's unattractive to Christians, but it's popular. One type of presumption is the type of presumption that's popular in modernism. And that's the presumption of, as long as you're a good person, you'll go to heaven. Mm-hmm. And that's connected to Pelagianism in a way. And Catholics fall into that with as long as you say your rosary every day, as long as you go to mass every day, you'll go to heaven. Right. And then there's the um, the other attractive idea of Christianity 
of, of sorry of Protestantism that says, well, Christ's mercy was totally sufficient for my personal salvation. So I have to do nothing. I don't. There's nothing I can do or should even try to do to attain this mercy. Which is why, which is why, like the um, when when a reporter asked John Paul II, "Are you going to heaven?" He said, "I hope so." Mm-hmm. And a bunch of Protestants got mad at him. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like because they they don't believe. But that's the thing is like they've said, even though hope is a theological virtue, right? Protestant theology doesn't allow for hope in your own salvation because that implies some kind of it's up for quite it's up for it's up for grabs right it's like up there's a there's a there's a uncertainty there right an implied uncertainty so anyway so those are the two ways that we can presume i don't necessarily want to talk about despair unless you want to no. because i don't think that's something that majority of people are tempted to yeah when it comes to hope yeah well but i do think we are tempted to well we could talk about i mean it. i i would i would just say like despair is not necessarily just like covering yourself in blankets and saying like, what's the point? You know, like that's not the only way that despair manifests itself. And so I think we can also look at despair in terms of like the little whiz that it creeps in of Mm -hmm. like, Oh, um, this particular situation in my life, I can't see any way out. Um, whether that's, so the the pandemic really easy, right? It's like, man, this feels like it's never going to end. I really miss my friends. This sucks. Instead of asking the Lord what he wants from this time, we can just, uh, one way of despairing is just by saying, mm-hmm. this sucks. I'm just going to like, you know, put my head down and wait for it to be over. Like that's, that's choosing despair yeah. over hope because you've decided that there's no grace that God wants to give you in this particular thing. And that can be true for, for lots of different scenarios and situations Whether you're in school or you're in, relationships or you're at work you know like you can extrapolate that to you know oh if i just had a better job you know and like this could finally be over and i I could have a better job then you know like then the lord will be able to work in my life um those kinds of things and like i don't mean this to like target anybody and say like oh man you guys are all in despair but i think we we hear the word despair and we're like well i'm not you know like a I'm not wailing and, and sobbing and gnashing my teeth. So I'm, I'm, I don't have despair, but I actually think that more people tend towards it than we might think. You brought up a good point. Peeper talks about this in the book. He talks about that the root of despair is acedia, mm-hmm. the spiritual sin of acedia, which is not so much this slothful laziness. And he actually talks about how the Protestant work ethic has morphed the idea of acedia into, well, you need to, you need to do the devil hands is the idol is the idle hands of the devil's play thing. Yeah. Et cetera. Yeah. That's actually a horrible translation of that proverb, but it's a it's the King James proverb version of the proverb, and so it's just but it's buried in our consciousness, and so we think that sloth is just you know not being industrious, but mm. it's really a spiritual sadness. He taught, and you're you're exactly right. It's like any kind of hopelessness and saying, well, this is the situation. There's nothing I can do, and there is no salvation for me. Even in a little way, it's like a doorway to open that that despair in. So I think that that is something good. Yeah. that we need. That is something. That Look we at Joseph Peeper taking notes from me. For once. Yeah. Look at him. Look at him go. <laughs> what a great guy. But I, I, I love this book. Like this little, it's such a short, it's like t- maybe like 50 pages, but it's just such a great. And then what was it called again? Pope Benedict. It's called On Hope. Oh, um, we're just On Hope. Yeah. It's just On Hope. He's one of those philosophers who just writes the subject of his book in the title because he's like just flexing a little bit, right. you know? Um, no, I think the title was changed from something else probably. To, on, was, to Joseph Pieper on. It was hope. probably in another language, um, if I had to guess. It it was in German, yeah, yeah. Uh, making me wish that I learned German. Uh, so yeah, and and uh, 
I don't know. I I feel like despair is you're right, it's a little less dramatic than we think it is, and it's more common. The the pathway to it is more common than we think. Right. Yeah. It's something that it's something that we can slip into because we feel like we're stuck on repeat mm-hmm. or there's really no point in praying because everything's going to stay the same anyway. And he talks about how um, the person in despair, his prayers aren't answered because he doesn't pray. And the person who's presuming his prayers aren't answered because he's not really praying. Ooh. And it's it's wow. something that we, because Pope, I think this might be Benedict, but Benedict says that um, prayer is the school of hope because in prayer, you literally learn how to hope in the fulfillment of Christ. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, what's like? You work on it. You work on a college campus, and most of our student, most of our listeners are, are college students. I do. How do you see despair play out in colleges? I think people just they are convinced that there's no point in the Christian life anymore, hmm. um, or even there's no hope in 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 any bigger questions. One of the funniest slash most infuriating things that I witnessed um, the first week kind of back on campus was we had existential questions Monday, which is <laughs> we had an existential question and it was it was Monday and that was really the, the only thing. But we had a sign that uh, some we were like had a tent, you know, and like we had ice pops and all that stuff. And we were we had a sign that said, what's the meaning of life? And we just wanted to engage people. This is like day two that we're there because we're just bringing out the big guns right away. And that's great, which was awesome. And that was the the question that we wanted to ask was, you know, what is what is the meaning of life to y'all? And so many people would say, sorry, I can't answer that. I have to go to class, you know, (laughs) and there's this like just tragic irony to that. Of like, oh, I'm yeah. busy, gotta go to class. Um, Sorry, I can't. I can't live. I'm too. Busy. I can't live. And I was just like, okay, that's cool, but why are you going to class? <laughs> you know. Um, and it was just this weird, just a weird thing of mm-hmm. people had decided that there was no point in even thinking about why they were there or what they were doing because they were so convinced that like. Like you're talking about, right? Like I have to conquer this acidity. I have to, I have to go and work and, and make money and, and provide and all these things. And it's like all good desires, but they, they, they've been told so many conflicting things about what the point of life is. They've been told so many conflicting things about what's the point of existing. What should you be searching after? Is it money? Is it sex? Is it fame? Is it uh, just pure pleasure? Um, is it yeah. the the comfort? You know, like they've been told, they sold all these different lies, and so when you confront them with the question of like which one's actually true, they're like, uh, 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 I don't know, I gotta go to class. I gotta go to class. And I do, I think that that is dark. I think that is a lack of hope. Like, there's a lack of hope of thinking that like there is really a purpose to all of this. They and they don't want to. You know, that made me think. They of? don't want to confront it. What did it make you think of? That made me think of my my uh, my metaphysics class. My sophomore year of college my professor was like why are you guys here and i was like to get a good grade and he's like why yeah so that i can graduate why, why? and he kept asking us that question yeah. and he was like this is a this is a very philosopher thing to do sure. to consistently ask why 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 right. and it's one of those things that philosophy students hate <laughs> and um it's one of the reasons why freshman philosophy majors get um get such a bad rep is because they're constantly like, what does it mean to sit you know okay. all that stuff. um but I think there's a difference between what my philosophy professor does 
did and what philosophy professors do in secular schools. Mm -hmm. And it's the reason why those students weren't prepared to answer that question was because there's like, there's a difference between the via antiqua and the via moderna. Uh, This is like when, when modernism was kind of in its, in its infancy, that's something that people were talking about. It's like, well, this is the ancient way. This is the modern way. Uh Uh, The ancient way of philosophy well, I'll start with the modern way. The modern way of philosophy is Cartesian. And Descartes was like, I want to know, I want to be able to know for certain that God exists. So I'm going to start with the thing that I know for certain exists, me. And so he began with himself and he tried to figure out a way to make God exist. And he said the worst sentence himself. of all time. I know. Worst sentence of all time. I, I think, therefore I am. Which uh, my favorite part, my favorite thing about that is like, you could say that about literally anything. I poop, therefore I am. You know? But that just doesn't sound as philosophical. You know? Right. <laughs> You can't you can't poop unless you exist, Descartes. Um, <laughs> so, <him>. yeah, <laughs> it's not really that creative. But anyway, uh, so that that's that's one of the things is that is he was like he was like, well, I know I exist, so I can I can know that other things exist based on my own existence. Whereas, so he would ask he would ask questions to make us doubt the existence of things that are outside of us. Whereas. My philosophy professor was doing something that Socrates did, which is ask questions that make you doubt what's inside of you. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference mm-hmm. between the ancient way and the modern way. Right. Is the, ain't, the the modern way tries to make it so that like the in, the modern way starts with the assumption that the individual is the most true thing, like the person is the most true thing and everything in me is perfect. Therefore, I need to make sure everything out there is perfect. And so these students weren't prepared to answer that question because they don't, they don't ask those questions themselves. They, they're living their lives on autopilot because they honestly believe like the rest of moderns that what I'm choosing to do is right regardless. Whereas the, the way of the ancients is like, well, no, you, we need to, we need to make sure that you doubt yourself because there's truth outside of you. And that, that's what your question was asking them there. You were like, why are you, why do you exist? What is the meaning of this life that you're living? And that's something that's that's a question that's completely foreign because it's it's uh it's um calling into question something that they hold sacred, which is their own selves. Yeah. Their own judgments. And the the other way of thinking about it, when you have this inside out perspective, it's it's really assuming that there was nothing that existed before you, and there will be nothing that exists after you. It's like a very or if there is, who cares? If there is, why the hell does that matter? I'm in yeah. I'm in town. Descartes here, baby. Um, it's time to go. And that in the. So it was. It's this. It's this inherently selfish mindset. But then the the interesting thing is when you ask people like, "What is the meaning of life?" The people that did engage with us, they were like, "Well, I think it's just to be a good person and and to to help other people." And that people would always like tack that on at the end of like, "Oh, you got to be you got to help other people too." And so there was this like, it it's this inside out thing. Like you're the most important thing. But then. There's this like guilt if you admit that it's just about <laughs> you, you know, and then there's the post Christian world popping. Yeah, you're like, well, I know I'm supposed to be. A good I know person, I'm supposed to be a good so. person, and I know I should help other people, but but then they like you see it flash through their eyes. They realize that they've done nothing to help other people, <laughs> <laughs> and and then you're like, okay, so but like, can you contend with this? And and, and this was like, what does it mean to be good? What does it mean? What does it mean to help another person? And then at that point you're doing philosophy and they're like, they want to get out of there as quickly as possible. Cause you've asked them what it is to be good. And they, it's a lot harder to be good when you have to define it. 
<laughs> that that's why I was thinking about this the other day. We by by so we're doing we're doing confirmation. The pastor is doing confirmation because the bishop can't go around everywhere get, uh, getting COVID. Um, and uh, so the pastor went around to every kid at our com- at one of our confirmations and asked them what they did for their confirmation service thing. Yeah, it's kind of sad. It was a lot of I helped at I helped uh, at the church, uh-huh. and I like I I did a community thing. Some of them did really cool projects, sure. but like. And I honestly wish that we had said no to some of their ideas. Yeah. Some of the things they did. Like, nope, not good enough. Because it's like, cause yeah. I think, I think they, I think that we, um, if we're, if we're going to do, if we're going to do the confirmation requirement, you might as well make it a, like, like a, a requirement a and not just like a, yeah, <laughs> not just like, oh, you did it. Cool. Um, but I mean that, that, because that, that reinforces this lesson, yeah. right? That. As long as I, you know, I did the thing, kind of. I checked the box with, like, a, a number one pencil mm-hmm. that I barely pushed my hand down. I, but I checked the box. I made a check mark in the air with my hand. Um, so I'm good, right? And it's like, we're like, yeah, sure. We don't want to ruin your big day. Um, <laughs> your big day. Yeah. <laughs> um, although I hesitate to even require anything of someone who's presenting themselves for confirmation. Anyway, this is not the it, conversation. This anyway, is a different thing. Uh, this is not this is not the place for this. Um it it ruins hope. Those types of things ruin hope. This idea that you just have to quote unquote do good, that's presumption. Yeah. That's presumption of saying, well, I and and that, that's the thing is you made them confront the reality of their presumption. Yeah. And you kind of want to you kind of want to like shrink back from the light a little bit cuz you're like, "Oh no, I'm challenging myself. That's the worst thing I could possibly yeah. do." And but th- that's that's the thing is like don't don't we want to live greater lives than this? Don't we want to live a greater eternal life than this? We, you know, don't we yeah. want to be found worthy at the end of our lives? Well, Patrick, and that's you a, and I that, do, but like the average person has never even considered the fact that they can be anything other than a TikTok star, like they're or anything other than worthy. Well, yeah, like well, but the greatest what I mean is yeah. like the greatest worthiness that they see is someone who's just famous. Like that's all that they know. Fair, and so. That's why I've been working on my Renegade. Uh, I'm not too late, am I? You might be a little bit late on the Renegade game, but Dang I know. It. Sorry. I want to be Tracer. Follow me on TikTok. I don't know what that means. Hello, kids. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> I don't speak that words. I don't speak that language. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, though, is like you talk about worthiness, and yes, people have this deep desire for worthiness, but also they have this deep confusion about what it means to be worthy of something like that's that's just these are concepts that don't exist in their mind and because there's no um, cultural background for it i suppose Mm -hmm. god bless you god thank you (laughs) god bless you god thank you (laughs) you've done a great service to america this day um that's all. I, I don't know. You keep 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 going with that cuz I'm I don't know what else to say. Um let me just look let me just look back at my notes on this. Yeah, what thing. do we got in the uh, in the chamber there? He um I there's actually a little the last part of the the book talks about fear of the Lord and how hope and fear of the Lord are intimately connected. Yes. Because when we have hope there is also necessarily a fear of loss mm-hmm. and a possibility of loss. 
and he talks about two levels of fear. One is the level of fear that that atheists and and non-Christians accuse us of the most, the fear of of punishment, Mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, you're only trying to be a good person so you get to heaven. It's like, yeah, sure, that's fine. That's not, I mean, why'd you clean your room when you were a kid? You know, it wasn't because you were just a generically good. You 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 enjoyed the good of a cleaned room. That's not that's not why you cleaned your room because your mom had a belt. She knew how to use it. Oh boy, it. Um, that's a fine fear. Yeah, <laughs> my Della did not hit any of okay. us. Okay, um, <laughs> thank goodness. <laughs> but uh, no, that's that's what I'm saying is like fear of punishment, fear of timeouts or whatever is totally fine. Like that's a, that's a human uh, movement. But he said there's a there's a greater level of fear of the Lord, which is a fear of of the possibility that the fear of the fact that you could actually sin like it is within your capacity to do to, evil to do evil yeah like you could and and like that's that's the crazy thing is like you know you you, you think about you think about people okay like you hear about you hear about people that that cheat on their spouse mm. right and you're like could never be me <laughs> and that's a good thing you know yeah. it's I, I that's how i feel yeah. but it's like do i have the capacity to sin that way oh yeah because i am human i do and that's terrifying to me. I would never want that to happen to my wife. Right. You know? And so there is a healthy fear of the Lord, but that's the thing is that's the second level of fear is that I'm not afraid of, oh, my wife would be so mad. I'm like, my wife would be so hurt. Yeah. Like the, there's no fear of punishment there. There's a fear of the sin itself. And that is the highest level of fear. And that's that's like the greater level of fear of the Lord. It's that the sin itself is a greater punishment than the punishment of hell. And so that's where we want to be. That's that's a sign that we have hope in eternal life is that when we're afraid of actual sin, not afraid of punishment, mm-hmm. that's a sign that we're growing in hope. And that's something that we should kind of meditate on. He talks about how um, for the church fathers, meditation, for Francis de Sales, if you read Introduction to the Devout Hey-o. Life, one of the first meditations he gives you is on hell. Yeah. When I was at high school, I was like, that hardly seems like the most important thing. Oh, but for him and for the church, for the doctrine of the church, when I was in high school, yeah, yeah, I, know, I, got you. I was like, come on, shouldn't we be talking about like Jesus and how great he yeah. is? And it's like, yeah, we're going to get to that. But first, we need to, you need to understand how possible it is that you could burn for all of eternity <gasps> apart from goodness and being itself. Yeah. That's a real thing we need to be, we need to realize. And he was like, that. that's how people started their spiritual journeys. Mm-hmm. And now a real sense of humility. That. Yeah. He started like, he's like, that's not, we, we kind of lost that, not because it's not important, but because heaven and hell kind of became like, you know, hell became like the ultimate timeout, and heaven is nothing more than like a really fancy playground for good people. You yeah, know, that's what he talks about. I'm like, yeah, that's that's true. You know, and and I think I think that um, I we don't we don't have enough. He says that fear of the Lord cannot be reduced to wonder and awe. He almost says it straight up. Yeah. Like the way we've translated fear of the Lord now is just completely uh, is just completely out of out of. We question. need to be like, a bit more. A we need to be a bit more scared of the old big guy. <laughs> No, no, no! It's not. It's not of the big guy. It's of sin. Of right. It's like fear of the Lord. Of the sin that the big guy will let us commit if we choose to be dumb. I think. I think it's not. Um, I think maybe fear of the Lord. Let's look at it this way. Yeah. I think. I think there's there's two ways that something can be of the Lord, right? Fear of meaning we are afraid of, or fear that belongs to God. Mm. Is the Lord not afraid that we would sin and be apart from Him forever? Right. That's the that should also be the fear of the Lord. It's yeah. like the fear of the Lord, not like f- afraid of God. But I mean, it does mean that in one sense. But I think in another sense, we can we can um, we can speak of it as fear that is proper to God, 
that I would, I, even though he is infinite, I mean, jealousy, we apply jealousy to God, but I mean, why can't we apply fear? I'm sure that God's afraid that we're going to be away from him forever. Hey, he knows the end. He does not want that. He does not want he that. He loves us. And uh, in the meantime, I think another another two virtues that two other virtues that he talks about is um, humility and magnanimity. Mm-hmm. He puts those two together. I don't know if focus is as big on magnanimity and humility. Oh, absolutely. As, uh, okay, yeah, cool. Because Franciscan was also on a huge uh, good old M and H kick uh-huh. a while back. That's what they call it. Yeah, um, and uh, I was I was I was impressed and intrigued and excited that Benedict and po- and and Joseph Pieper were talking about magnanimity and humility too because I've been talking about it a lot recently. So they were quoting. And he you. talks about yeah, they were quoting me. <laughs> these Which two uh, these two old dudes. Well, Joseph Pieper's dead, but Benedict's Ooh. not, and he's never going to die. Um, he's going to keep writing. He is. He is going to keep writing. Uh, the first time I met with my thesis advisor, I talked to him about how I want, I liked I liked Ratzinger and Bonaventure, and he was like, he looked at his shelf, he went, hmm. And he turned, he went, do you speak German? And I was like, no, I don't speak German. What do I look like? <laughs> do I walk up in here and later hosen? No. I wore jeans because I'm an American. I wish I spoke German. You can um, get there. Anyway, am I there? I am there. Yeah. Did you, are you, are you, did we, did I cut out? No, I'm just saying you could speak German if you wanted to. Oh, you're right. I could. Yeah. I'm learning Greek right now. So I'm going to talk kind of like German. German. So, uh, so yeah, that, that's, uh, magnanimity and humility are two ways to grow in hope because magnanimity is like, is like earthly hope. And then humility, uh, tempers that earthly hope and says, this is not all that it is. This is not all that it can be. And modernity completely rejects the humility and goes straight for the magnanimity. But in that they become presumptuous. Hmm. I don't know what to add to that. I mean, that just is correct. Like, you just said true stuff. <laughs> Maybe every week will just be what I'm reading for my theology classes. Which is also good. It's a good podcast to do it that way. It's a good podcast to do though. I- Tune in next week when we talk about the Second Sinai Covenant and the Covenant on the Plains of Moab. Whoa. Moab. <laughs> Moab. All right. Can we do the Dr. Ethan's Dating Corner? We can. I'm getting antsy. I feel excited. very... I've been excited all day. Well, we talked. I already, I already had that sneak peek about how there's a, there's a France, there's not a France. It's going to Steubenville related Doctor Ethan's dating corner, but I'm going to save that till the end because first I have an update. An update. Good old, good old. Hey, howdy, hey, gave us an update. Oh yes, you love and the. And hey, what howdy, I love hey. when people give us updates, they yeah. give us recaps, which is awesome. Perfect. So hey, howdy, hey said as August has finished up, it is time for my update to recap. I became good friends with two guys who are best friends. The one I wanted to talk to, and the other one wanted to date me. Bum, bum, bum. You all told me to build a robotic arm, which sadly I was not able to do. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up talking with the guy who likes me. He reached a good understanding between us about boundaries and where we stand. So the guy who liked her, they un- they reached a good understanding. That's awesome. As for the guy I was interested in, that fell through due to some differences between us. Not the ending we were rooting for, but the best one to happen. Yes. Here's to being back to school, and I look forward to listening while y'all are, to y'all while chilling with homework. Do your homework. Don't listen to us. Don't say the name. Come on. Oh, shoot. Sorry. Come on. We're professionals. <laughs> We're professionals. <laughs> Just bleep the name. <laughs> yeah, I will. All right. So, but this one's the, the we got we got one, and then we're going to do this doom bill one, okay? Okay. This is a real question. Great. Great, great, great. Okay. Hey, Patrick and Ethan, please make up a name for me. What's her name? Wait, is it a girl? Y- it is. Y- uh, Yasmin. Yasmin. <laughs> <laughs> Yasmin. I was in a complicated relationship last year, made a lot of mistakes. Oof. Nothing incredibly serious, but just sad face emoji. Oof. I would like to forget about it. 
It's been six months since I've had anything to do with that guy, but because of circumstances, I find myself reacting strangely to new guys I meet. Mm. I have a lot of great guy friends. Two are leaving in a few weeks. One is going to become a monk, and the other one's going to go to seminary. Okay. <laughs> cool. And I never have any trouble talking to the guys I already know. But whenever a new guy is around, mm. or someone introduces me to a new guy, I freeze up, feel awkward, and don't really want to talk to them. Some kind of I'm new super guy. chatty to people who know me, so this is not normal. Um... Or she says, I'm super chatty. So for people, she says, it's not normal. Anyway, uh, I guess my question is, how do I make more guy friends, whether or not there's someone I could be interested in without feeling awkward and scared? How do I keep my brain from immediately thinking maybe he's the one every time I meet a new guy? For context, I'm 21. Thanks for everything. Yasmin. Wow. Uh, Gosh. What's the diagnosis, Dr. Ethan? So let me get this straight. She's, every time she meets a new guy... She falls in love with him. I think that's just called being 21. I think, yeah. Well, it's also like you're experiencing what guys experience every single day of their lives. Like this is a, yeah. this is welcome to the club. Welcome to the freaking club. <laughs> um, every time I see my wife, I'm just like, oh gosh, I hope she likes me. So is there, is there any, is the, the only real request is like, how do I not fall in love with boys? Is that the, um, am I misunderstanding? I think it was a very long email. She says, I find myself reacting strangely. Okay. She has trouble talking to guys. She freezes up and she feels awkward and she doesn't want to talk to them. I So from what I gathered, one of two things is happening. One, she's super eager to get into a relationship and every time she sees a guy, she's like, oh, what if this is a guy? Ah. Or she's still reeling from her relationship six mm. months ago and she is distrustful of guys that she meets. I see. I see. What you need to do, <laughs> this is this is what you need to do. Ah, uh, <laughs> what? Why are you? Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> she was gonna give her the jokey advice or the real advice. I'm gonna give her some jokey advice that's real. Um, Great. You have to remember that guys are kind of dumb. Like you have to get back into the the headspace of like these dudes are just big, lovable oafs. Like we're not, <laughs> we're not scary. Like there's nothing uh, uh, super crazy about us. Um, I mean, I love being a dude. Don't get me wrong. Like shout out to my shout out to being a dude for life. D F L dudes for life. Um, but I think one thing that you need to get over, Yasmin, is uh, we're not we're not that impressive. And I think there's a good way. What's what's a scenario that Yasmin could put herself in to just remember like how what guys are really like, you know, and maybe kind of reset the, the old odometer as it were. Hmm. Uh, joining the Knights of Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> what I would normally say is like, go to some kind of sporting event. Maybe if, yeah. if your school has some kind of esports gaming lounge, you know, maybe head over there. Um, if there's a, if there's maybe a billiards tournament going on, um, just trying to find like any space that you can be with guys kind of in their natural habitat and just observe them and be like, okay, this is fine. Like, this is okay. These guys are okay. I'm not super worried about this anymore. Maybe that wouldn't work, but that was my first thought is like, you just got to re-expose yourself to boy. Just the concept, just of the boy. concept of boy because you've been so, uh, yeah, you've missed out on it for too long. And I think, I think like just, uh, 
speaking from i mean okay so she said i was in a complicated relationship made a lot of mistakes etc yeah um i think sometimes you have to consciously tell yourself maybe even out loud maybe to a friend like i am acting out of my woundedness right now oh that's a better advice than mine sometimes that's just, i i heard literally heard this advice on a podcast yesterday oh really it was very good advice it's like hey i am right it was it was they were talking about um money trouble and two people who were currently in financially abusive situations were dealing with budgeting together it was very interesting and they were like yeah we're we're like both of our spouses used to like financially control us and it's a real thing financial abuse and they were in a new marriage and they were trying to navigate budgeting together and it was awkward because every time they'd try to do it they would get like super defensive and shut down and the guy was like a counselor the radio host the counselor and he was like yeah you just need to say you need to remind yourself like right now i'm being like unironically triggered by this situation um say to yourself i am acting out of my woundedness and sometimes it's helpful to say it out loud to someone that you trust i'm acting out of my woundedness because it's like again like you like we talked about earlier we're not perfect and sometimes the real world is being normal and we're being wound, wounded right we're being ridiculous uh, not ridiculous but we're being what's the word i'm looking for ridiculous sounds like a fine word yeah i don't want to i don't make her feel bad but oh, yeah, well, I'm, yeah i'm being i'm being you know patrick right i'm being anxious yeah and uh yeah that's that's just that's my advice i think you hire a guy um to be with you <laughs> and maybe he's from russia and he could be your husband uh-huh. Build a robotic arm. Build a robotic arm. Um, <laughs> I wish I had. Join the Knights of Columbus. I wish I had better advice. Yeah. Patrick's advice is way better than mine. That's why I have him on this podcast. That's why I'm Professor Patrick. And so, yeah, I think I think the the thing that you're the the problem you're running into of uh, maybe he's the one. Um, that's a normal problem that people just learn to get over with over time. Like that's just something that's completely normal. Uh, it's even a normal thought. I think you just kind of grow out of it, right? Um, it just his life experience will help. Yeah. The more times the you get thing, your heart broken, the more those walls tend to go up and that heart of flesh becomes a heart yeah. of stone and that's when you really get to start living. It depends. Yeah, like when you haven't dated that many people, a lot of people <laughs> seem like they're the one. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay, it's pretty funny. When you haven't when you haven't dated a lot of people, a lot of people can seem like they're the one. When you've dated a, or when you've tried to at least date a lot of people and you're like no, I kind of know what I'm looking for. Fewer and fewer people seem like they're the one. In fact, it almost... And then once you're married, it's just completely... It's just one person then. It's just one person. You're like, yeah, everybody... Like, sorry, that's not Phoebe. So, obviously, that's not... Um, that's everybody says So that. Sorry, you're not Phoebe. Everybody says that. Listen, that's what I'm saying. It's a problem that everybody has. No one uh, can marry Phoebe now. So, it's like, that sucks for everybody else. Um, yeah, I hope that helped. Uh, so, here's here's our, here's our uh, Steubenville question. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Dr. Ethan and Professor Pat. This one comes from a seminarian. Um, dun, dun, dun. Dr. Ethan and Professor Pat. I've always wanted to contribute to Dr. Ethan's dating corner, but I'm a seminarian. That doesn't, that Excellent. doesn't mean anything, brother. I know lots of seminarians. Okay. <laughs> don't, don't think yourself above this. I am a seminarian. But why not look back on my high school dating problems? Okay. Dun, dun. So it's actually not. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Uh, my name is... Hi, my name is Joe. Hi, my name is Joe. Uh, I'm a young 15-year-old guy at a Steubenville conference. It's lunchtime, and I don't know where the bathroom is. So I ask around if they know, and a girl offers to lead me there. I'm in the stall, minding my own business. So far, so good. And then I hear one of the girls in my group 
who recognized my bright red shoes. And she tells me, you're in the girl's bathroom. What? Hey, you know how at convention centers? Yeah. The bathroom, like the girl's bathroom actually has two entrances. You know how at like buildings, the male and female bathrooms are labeled? Okay, you know how in buildings, sometimes the male and female bathrooms are right next to each other and the entrances are opposite, but in some bigger buildings, when the bathroom is bigger, the entrances are just like, are two entrances to the same room? You know how in buildings, the male bathroom has urinals? You know how when, that's how I learned, but you know, you know how when you're just, you know how you use process of elimination and you look at, you see, you see what you think is two different bathrooms and you look at one and it goes, oh, that's the female bathroom. And then you go into the other one thinking, oh, by process of elimination, that one must be the male bathroom. And then you walk in, you see no urinals, but luckily no women. And you're like, I was in the women's room, but then you walk out and you see your friend Ethan and he makes fun of you. Wait, what? Did that happen to you? I'm pretty sure that happened. I, I walked into the ba- uh, women's bathroom on accident at a focus conference once. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah. Did I make fun of you? <laughs> Probably. Uh, I think you were there. That sounds anyway, like something I would do. Uh, so anyway, it was the girl's bathroom, etc. I'm mad, but kind of flirty mad, so whatever. I went to tell this girl where she led me, but there were three of her. What? <laughs> I was in the She's girl's bathroom so long. Oh, okay. <laughs> She's an identical triplet. We had a great laugh, but I still had no clue which one she was. On the bus ride home, I get one of their Facebook contacts so we can stay in touch. She told me she's coming into town to watch a movie at the theater with her sisters, but I don't know which one is her. What do I do? Oh, gosh. So he he connects with this girl, (laughs) but she's an identical triplet, and he doesn't doesn't have, like, the social understanding to be like, oh, which one is the one that I talk to? Because they probably get that all the time. Yeah. But she's coming to like for like a date with him or something. And they met in the bathroom. They met in the bathroom. Is, so. is there a conclusion? Are we like giving? Are we giving advice in the past? We're giving advice to past Joe. Past so, Joe. Uh, if you ever find yourself in this situation, step one: remember that male bathrooms have urinals. Build a cloning machine. Oh, okay. <laughs> build a cloning machine. And so that there could be three of you. Yes, and then so she, it doesn't matter which one is. Which. And then she feels like an idiot because she can't remember which one is you. And then it's actually yeah. they're all you. And either no matter what, you win. This is an episode of. So if you ask this is her, an episode of Phil her, of the, Phil from the future. Phil of the, Phil. What is this show? <laughs> Phil of the future. Phil of the future. But if you go if you go up to her and you say, "Hey, what's what? What's your name?" Then she can be like, "Oh, my name is Nancy." And it's like, "I thought we met before." Oh no, sorry, I'm one of the clones. I don't. He transferred all of his knowledge to me except for your name, so I needed to ask you your. If name. only there were there were verbal uh, uh, sounds we could make with our mouth communication holes to determine which person was which. If only I wish I had antenna. If only there was a way that we could make sounds that indicated which person we were referring to, and if only <laughs> and if only there was like a socially agreed upon way to know which person was which using <laughs> that very mouth sound. And so if you ever want to know the difference between which person out of two people is the person that you're trying to reach, if you know their name, just stand far enough away back from them and direct so that your that your face is both both of them, and then just say, "Hey, Nancy." You can't do it too close because then if you're looking at the other one, they will be like, "Why'd you call her Nancy?" If you're far enough away, it's like, "Oh, that must have been directed to me because I'm Nancy." If you ever want to you know, know how many people in a crowd are named Jeff. You just yell, hey, Jeff. <laughs> and then you'll see like 13 baseball caps go, huh? Uh, everybody named Jeff is wearing a baseball cap that just says, Jeff. and now you can go, you can take all of their information because they've marked themselves. You know, this is a great trick. 
if you're ever in a crowd, I'm not saying you should steal, but what I am saying is if you ever need to steal, you, uh, if you're in line for like some kind of ticketed event, you just yell, somebody stole my ticket. And then everybody like puts their hands where their tickets are because they're, you know, they're dumb. And so then you can see like, oh man, this guy's got it in his pocket. So you walk up and you take it. So you say, oh man, where's Jeff? Hey Jeff, somebody took your wallet. And then all of the Jeffs go, you know, they start patting themselves down. You take every Jeff's wallet and then you can start it. <laughs> then you can start a Jeff commune and everybody can have that identity. And then who was, what was the original point of the question? Um, I think he just wants to know how he can navigate this awkward situation where one of the three girls has a crush on him and he can't tell which one I just is. I just taught him how to grift a crowd. You don't need girls anymore. You have complete control. <laughs> Take the money that you've learned that you've earned pickpocketing people at venued events during a pandemic and take to the border you have time to practice Probably the, you have time to practice yeah that's all yeah. I, take to the go to the new mexican border i think the easiest thing would be to ask what her name is <laughs> i think i think a funny i think it's a funny plot point of a like a movie or a tv show or something that someone thinks they're crossing the border into mexico like they're the police are on their tail and they like cross into into they cross a border and they get out they're like ha, you can't touch me i'm in mexico but they're actually crossed the border into new mexico so the fbi can still arrest them that's a good one. <laughs> I think it's pretty funny. I like it. Just imagine yeah. like crossing the border. Like people are coming from North Dakota and they get to Oklahoma. You know, you get out. You're like, we're here. And everyone's like, wow, it was such a, they're shorter than I thought it was. And then they go about their, <laughs> go about their business in Oklahoma thinking that they're in Mexico. And they're like, man, a lot of people here speak English. Like this is kind of weird. I'm pretty sure that's an episode of Arrested Development. Is it really? Yeah, it is. Buster, Buster thinks he gets dropped off in Mexico and like he goes to, he goes to like someone's house and he thinks he's in Mexico. And then like his mom shows up and he's like, what are you doing in Mexico? Mom, how'd you get to Mexico? I can't believe Arrested Development and Yosef Pieper have been stealing all of my ideas. I know it's nuts. Both, both a successful comedy show and a successful philosopher from the 1930s are both stealing your ideas. Crazy. Especially from this podcast. Uh, that's all that we have for the week. I've got to go. I've got a Bible study to prepare. I'm way behind. I'm very behind, Patrick. There's, there's life. Life has taken me by the reins. Patrick, is there anything that anybody needs to know about this show? Great. Do you have anything All else I'm for the people? Say, <laughs> do you have anything else for people? Um, I'm not telling you to do anything illegal, but the whole Jeff pickpocket thing would be much easier with a robotic arm. Thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. We will be praying for you, and we will see you all next week. Do people like that bit? They love it. <laughs> I Do they? Oh, yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.